This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went a little bit further. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Which comes first, the past or the future? What a strange question one might think. Clearly a preacher's trick to try and get your attention, which is what it is. But let's see. I'll start the conversation with a childhood memory. Each new school year when I was in grammar school as a little boy, I would get two new flannel shirts and two new pairs of baggy corduroy pants. The salesman and my mother agreed that I should get a shirt that was a bit too big for me so that I had room to grow. This meant that I had to turn the cuffs up and button them double or the sleeves would be too long. This made me feel dorky. (laughs) Now, my mother loved me very much and certainly did not want me to be embarrassed. And she had a plan. Because of her decision, I was never embarrassed in school with sleeves too short for my arms, even after having grown. She planned for my future. For mom, the future came first. And that is true for the Bible as well. Certainly the history of Israel's past and the church year that we follow, uh, the history of Jesus' life, and we are asked in the Eucharist to remember Christ's sacrifice. But all these remembrances of the past is pointing us to God's future for the world we continue to unwrap our Christmas present during this Epiphany season. And what we unwrap today is a glimpse of God's promised future that enlivens our present and draws us towards it. The future comes first. The promise of the future is the source of hope. In Mark's narrative, the ministry of the Baptists, now in prison, 
has been accomplished. And Jesus begins to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. This is Jesus' declaration of his own identity. He is the Messiah who is bringing in the reign of God. Centuries of longing and hope for the reign of God form the backdrop against which we come to understand who Jesus is. He is the Messiah who has finally come to reveal God's future reign of life and peace. And Jesus' messianic authority is already on display when he calls the disciples. His command to follow him brings a response of unquestioned obedience. They drop everything and follow him. What did they see in that Jesus that was so compelling? Whatever it was the great theologian and Christian martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer once observed that only a claim of ultimate authority could justify such a demanding request for single-minded devotion. And, Bonhoeffer continued, only the ultimate promise of God's favor could equip these men to be fishers of people. And by the way, fishermen were ritually unclean because the fish they handled were ritually unclean. So once again, Jesus was taking something rejected and turning it into something accepted. Jesus was claiming ultimate authority by his very action of calling them. And he was promising them the grace and power for the task. He says, I will make you fish for people. The word make does not mean I will force you to fish for people. It means make in the sense of create. So it is with us. We are created by grace to be God's disciples in Christ. Disciples of God's great shalom in Christ. And Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come near. And the phrase in Greek grammar means that the reign of God is both here and continuing. God's reign is present already, but not yet fully revealed. Well, what is it that we await, and how is it present already? The promise of God's reign is a reign of peace, God's shalom for the world. As we spoke of shalom on previous Sundays, we were reminded of what a huge and expansive idea that Hebrew word for peace represents. Last Sunday, the focus was on God's making peace with the world through the cross. And that peace we experience in the forgiveness of sins that restores us to community with God, indeed restores us to life, an essential promise of God's reign of shalom. God's future peace, however, is also the perfect justice of total equality among all people. Paul said it clearly in his letter to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. We await the fullness of that promise in God's future 
for the world. Yet even as we long for that future, the future is in some real ways present with us, for Christ's victory has assured us that the promise of perfect equality, as Paul put it, has been sealed. It is also with us in the present through the church that is the body of Christ, whose people, drawn to the future of God's promised justice, seek justice in the present, however imperfect it may be, in a world still in the grip of sin. Seeking justice is part of the call to follow Jesus. Well, there are many concerns of this life that fit under the heading of justice. For example, I might ask, am I being fair to my spouse and children in allowing them the freedom to flourish rather than attempting in any way to control their lives, or perhaps giving too little of myself in support of their well-being? This is an issue of justice, justice as fairness in respect and love for the other is something that starts right at home. Moving on, the website of the Children's Defense Fund shows a child's drawing of a little boat on the waters with the poignant words, Dear Lord, be good to me. The sea is so wide and my boat is so small. The poorest people in our country are children, plagued by hunger, homelessness, health problems, poor education, and exposure to violence. Indeed, most of the world's poor are children. Justice is concerned with those who are most vulnerable. Jesus' words, famous words, are straight to the point when he addressed those who reached out in help to others. Truly I tell you, he said, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me who is not of Jesus' family. Serving the least, the most vulnerable, the children so precious, is serving Jesus himself. There are many paths to justice for children that Christians can take and many outlets to seek for that purpose. Justice for women is yet another pressing issue today. We are all painfully aware of the disturbing news of so many incidents of sexual abuse and misconduct visited upon women. The high-profile cases of public figures have served to reveal that this has been an everyday problem for women in the workplace and elsewhere. This kind of sexist denigration of the equal dignity of all women is a major issue of justice for us in our own backyard. It points to an even broader issue of justice for women in matters of equal pay and equal opportunity. Christians are called upon to be witnesses for healthy relations in the workplace and in the school. Christian parents are called to teach their children mutual respect for others. And needless to say, the church is a place where we are schooled in equality in Christ and the sanctity of each individual's person. Our church has a, 
as a, as a draft statement underway on women and justice, and it includes these calls for action. Seek, support, and advocate for resources for families and communities that empower parents, whether single or coupled, to nurture, protect, and provide for their household in ways that do not reinforce gender-based stereotypes. In particular, advocate for men to participate in all family roles associated with the home, caregiving, parenting, and nurturing. And then again, seek support and advocate for economic policies, regulations, and practices that enhance equity and equality for women and girls. So far, our social statement. Years ago, the comedian Groucho Marx quipped, I wouldn't belong to a club that would have me for a member. Now, Marx, a Jew, was using his patented sense of humor to take a swipe at those elite country clubs who at that time had a practice of refusing to admit Jews into membership. Unfortunately, anti-Semitism is on the rise and as we know, racism also. Acts of hateful discrimination and even the quiet, more sophisticated variety turn people into stereotypes or even objects that deny their dignity as persons created in the image of God. This is the very soul of injustice. Lord of Life's commitment of accepting all and accepting none is a launching pad for a Christian witness that all who are blessed by this insight should be utterly and publicly opposed to such behavior and those in influ in, of influence who display it. In the 70s, when I first began <clears throat> teaching Christian ethics in college and university and seminary, I taught courses in ethics and medicine. And one of the issues that was always in the syllabus was justice and the delivery of health care. In the early 70s, there were five different bills before Congress seeking universal coverage for all Americans. None of them ever passed. Attention turned to preventative medicine due to good habits and other measures of public health. And Christians do need to recognize that healthy habits are a, a contribution to justice and an obligation to care for the life that God has given us. However, it took many years for enough people in government to decide that we have some kind of moral obligation to one another to provide the health for the health care needs of our neighbors. And we all know that the issue continues to be a matter of public turmoil over how to fix the Affordable Care Act or get rid of it and somehow replace it. Christians have no special knowledge of how to design a health care policy for the country. There is no Christian health care policy. But Christians called to justice in witness to God's future of perfect justice are called to be concerned that all are cared for and to support those choices that in good conscience they believe will best serve that end. 
The future comes first. God's promise of a just future of perfect equality, a promise anchored in God's unconditional love and grace, inspires us to seek justice now. We pray, after all, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' call to follow him into the way of peace is a call to be involved in that for which we pray. A famous theologian once reflected on the story of the Good Samaritan who stopped to help the man on the roadside who was attacked by thieves. The Samaritan is Jesus' example of neighbor love in the telling of that story. But our theologian took it a step further and asked, what if the Samaritan made a regular trip from Jerusalem to Jericho and frequently found people by the roadside attacked by thieves? He said, wouldn't it make sense at that point? Of course you stop to help, but wouldn't it make sense to see if with the authorities something could be done to make the road safer? Love and advocacy for the public good go together. Of the various issues of justice, we have only touched on a few. We cannot all do everything, but we can choose, we can choose to commit ourselves to something. A cause of justice is one of them. Understanding what justice requires will take some doing in a complex and conflicted world. And getting involved in a cause of justice may mean some self-sacrifice and may mean some unpleasant exchanges with people who do not agree. However, when Jesus said, follow me, he provided the legs to walk with him into the way of peace. The Spirit is yours for the asking. And fellow Christians will be there to help in whatever endeavor you choose. Free in the knowledge that you belong to God in Christ. You are free to pursue the uncertain tasks of justice in a broken world, confident of God's grace for the way. God's future is drawing you to it. So may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.